standing to read the word. Thank you to the musicians. We'll read from Mark chapter 16. Verse 15. And he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. We'll just bow one more time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this gathering this morning, for your presence, for the songs, for Lord, the portion of the Holy Ghost that's within every believer that's here today. We thank you for everyone that's here, those that are in our gates as visitors, those that are regulars, those that are even aren't here. May your hand extend to them. And Lord, as we're here, we also have on our hearts many loved ones, many different ones in different places. Lord, wherever they are, remember them today. Lord, we're sitting at the brink of eternity, and we're asking you, Lord, that you'll extend your hand, Father, one more time. We commit ourselves to you now, asking your blessing on the service in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you. May have your seats. Thank you for bearing with the preliminaries a little longer. We're not going to try and extend the service. I wanted to give a report this morning, but I felt with everything we had going on and some of the things, I'm going to just take my time. I want to speak make a couple of points. We'll probably carry it over into tonight. And I do have a little thought on my heart that I do want to share tonight as well. So I thank you all for those who uh, remembered us in prayer and support. As we went to Uganda, we were gone for a total of 12, 12 days, I guess. We were on the ground probably 10 days and ended up ministering 12 services. 
And uh, it was, I feel like I've lived a lifetime, actually. I feel like I've, I've been around the world three or four times and come back and, and it feels like things are still the same. But I tell you, I, I feel like I went through the dishwasher and back out again and run out, run out like a rag. And any rate, I'm here. And uh, I'll be more awake than I was on Wednesday. So I, I, was, I was fighting it. I told Brother Codrey, no reflection, but I'll tell you, I, I, middle of the service, I had to fight with everything in me. But I'm here. So I'm thankful for that. So I want to say thank you for your, your prayers, for your support, your texts, your tithes, your offerings, and above all, that we could go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And when I went, you were included. And you were there on my heart when I went. And, and now you're also included. And I want to share with you as much as I can as much as it's possible to convey what was there because you were a part of it, and uh, we're all a part of it. So I want to just say thank you to all of you. Thank you for your prayers, and, and even while we're gone, we want to just say thank you also to Brother Harold, who uh, always is a support and encouragement, and also to the local ministers that uh, ministered, that stood faithful, Brother Andrew, Brother Moses, Brother uh, Maxwell, also the deacons, trustees, and all of you. We're here together again. It's good to be together. So I, I want to, first of all, say that missionary or outreach work is not just a, a program. It's not just something that we do as a church, that we have it on our calendar or checkbook, or, but it's a burden. It's, the, it's a Holy Ghost burden. And it's, it's also not just because we're in North America and there's other countries who may not have it. It's not first world reaching out to third world. It's we're all brothers. We're all sisters. There's a body of Christ. And so we want to, we really can't do it until we know the value of a soul. Until we know what it is to be saved, redeemed, filled with the Holy Ghost, we really can't have the burden the way we ought to have it. And it needs to be rekindled sometimes. Because the prophet would say that if, if you really had the Holy Ghost, you'd be sighing and crying for the souls in the, in the city that are around us. And so... I want to just maybe project that a little bit. If I can say, I first went overseas about 29 years ago. And I went for five weeks. And at that time I went in six countries. Now I've gone six different trips to ten different countries in Africa. But at that time I went and while I was gone five weeks, I, I had the blessing to be with a man who I consider one of the soldiers on the mission field. And that was... There's many of them that, that have been out there, but Brother Harold's one that I've worked with directly. Another one is Brother Don Bablitz, and I, I, I just appreciate these brothers, not for what they just did in their local pulpits, but what they did beyond. And there's been times that I, I can just say, when I met with Brother Harold that time, we were together for about two weeks. He had been there three weeks prior, and he had ministered 29 times in 28 days. And he was worn out. And I'm glad we could be together. And uh, we had some memories that have stuck with me. There's some principles that I've taken. And I, di I didn't realize until I go and walk them again. And I felt this time, maybe more than ever, I was walking in some of those same steps again. So first of all, I just say it's a burden. And when you have a burden, the burden that we've used as a church here is to help establish churches in the message of the hour. Now there's a, there is a message Brother Branham spoke in 1962. And he spoke it about evangelism. Not just any kind of evangelism, but 
end time evangelism. And he would speak on it, and, and in there he is actually where he makes a statement we often refer to. He said, when we're doing mission work or foreign mission work with the word of God, we know we're always in the will of God. Because Jesus' first commission was to go and preach the church, preach the gospel. That's, that was the last commission to, to us to preach the gospel. So in that message, and I, I didn't really think about it so much as I was doing it, but as the events unfolded in the trip and things, and then I realized, and I went back to this message, and I said, Lord, it's you. Because I didn't think about that, I didn't think about that, but God was leading me in that. So I'm very grateful for that. And so before we ever left, you've all heard um, of, of the great move of God that's been going on in the country of Uganda, where many b believers are, are coming in, coming out of um, systems, man-made systems, denominational systems, and it's, it's, it's coming out is one part, but going in is another. And, and as much as there's a great coming out, you know, what good is it to, to make a decision if you don't have anything to go to? And Brother Manham would talk about it. He would just say, you've got to cut stones. And, and, and you've got to cut stones and shape them. Once you make a confession, he says, you can't just pile up rocks. You've got to cut stones. He said, what good is a decision? What good is putting your name in a book, just joining a church, if you don't know what God has for you? And I have seen over the years where God has used Brother Harold to, in, in that capacity. And as we discussed this, even going over there and the burden with going over there, that was maybe the thrust a little bit of what we were, we were working towards. So it's laying in principles. And, and with that, you know, you, you come into places where not even everybody has a Bible. Not everybody can read. Not everybody has access to message, the message books. And you need to lay in the word in the most effective way possible. And as the trip unfolded, God just had to move me in some different channels to do just that. And I give him the glory for that. And then as I say, as we're going, we're, 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 we're not, we, we don't just go as, this is a principle I've learned from Brother Harold also. We don't just go as, though we know something, as though we've got something better. If we've been giving anything, it's, it's by the grace of God. We're not a higher status. We are not, and, and I, I've appreciated that. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing as effective when they know that you're one of them. When they know that you're not there to, to exercise some authority, to some lordship, but we're brethren together by the grace of God. And that's one thing I, I just want to give credit to Brother Harold for because it serves as an example. Now, with all of those few principles, there's also the challenges of a global world. And that's health, that's um, diseases, hygiene. Everywhere I went, people were in masks. Everywhere I went, people were worried about things. And, and, and the outward, they're wearing masks. They're, they're kind of guarded where they sit next to you, etc., etc., and if it isn't just that, it's the fear. People are just being gripped with fear. And, and I, I, I was really wondering about even going, and then I came across a quote where Brother Branham said, 
that in the last days, diseases and germ warfare would break out. And he says the destroying angel that had these diseases was commanded not to touch those that had the Holy Ghost. And when I just grabbed a hold of that, it was settled. I'm going in the will of God. I'm not going worried about anything. And I'll tell you what, there was nothing like that. And we need to have that confidence. You might say, oh, it's a world away. I'll tell you what, it's coming around the world. And I say, let's get in Christ. Let's know where we are. So you not only face these things, but you face borders and countries and security. You face corruption. You face, you face a, a multitude of things. And you come in there to some degree as a North American, you're, you're, you're a marked person. And Brother Harold can share some of these experiences. And, and he, you know, just, we were just texting here the other day and, and um, with some issues they had on their end. And, and then Brother Harold reminded them of a time he went to Sierra Leone. He arrived there. They didn't have his luggage. For four days, he ministered only with the clothes that he had on his back. And when he finally was leaving the country, there was his lug- luggage in a heap of, uh, of things at the airport. I mean... I, I was reminded of Paul. <laughs> Paul, would, Paul would say, you know, you know, we all want a book of Acts church. And we think the book of Acts is the Holy Ghost falling down and it's all this. But do you ever read of some of the other things that went with it? Do you ever read about political strife between Paul and Barnabas? Do you ever think about Ananias and Sapphira? Do you ever think about all the things Paul went through? He says, in journeyings often, in perils of waters... In perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. That, that was in the time of the book of Acts. Wow, that's exactly what we're coming back to. So let's not be amazed when these things come our way. He says, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings, in hunger and thirst and fastings, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that were out, without. And he, Paul's just talking about the infirmities that he suffered as he went to deliver the gospel. And I reflected on Brother Harold and the things that he did and how he gave his strength. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember going through Nigeria and it's just trying to clear customs. And I wasn't there this trip, but I think five times I was bribed for money trying to get out. By the officials. Yeah. Nothing against Nigeria. It's, it's, every country can have that. Remember Brother Harold in the time he was in Uganda. He was preaching one time in a church. And the back wall of the sanctuary tumbled down and crashed. Injuring and actually killing people. Now how would you like to have that for a mission report? But that's what happened. But nonetheless that same country the gospel is going on. And we thank God for it. So anyway, I just wanted to say a little bit of that as a prelude um, to where we're going. I want to read two more scriptures. Jeremiah chapter 10, if you will, just turn with me there. Jeremiah chapter 10. I'm trying to figure out what that clock's saying. I think it looks like 10 to 6, but that would be Ugandan time right now. So, which is what I feel like I'm still on. But Jeremiah chapter 10. It's kind of a strange scripture, but when we go, we want to go knowing God goes with us. And it was about a month and a half ago, I was just upstairs, 
and devotion, just praying, and this has been on my heart for a while. And then these are the scriptures that God gave me. But the Lord is a true God. He is the living God, an everlasting king. At his wrath, the earth shall tremble. The nation shall not be able to abide his indignation. Then shall, thus shall you say unto them, The gods have not made the heavens and the earth. Even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom. He hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causes the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain, and he bringeth forth the wind out of his treasures. Now, I never thought that would be what God would use for a mission trip, but I didn't realize how much I'd need to rely on those scriptures. But that's what God made real to me. He also dropped down into verse 23. O Lord, I know that the way of a man is not in himself. It is not in a man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me, but, not, but with judgment, not in thine anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Also, if you will, just to tie in with that, Isaiah 54 is the scripture we've, we've referred to from time to time before, but it, it also just goes in with where I'm going to go. You all good with this this morning? I'm going to put on some PowerPoint shortly here. Isaiah 54, I've often read verses 16 and 17, but I'm going to start in verse 14. In righteousness shalt thou be established... Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire, and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. And I have created the waster to destroy. Can you imagine? God created something that would come across negative, and he would use it for positive. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me. Amen. God bless his word. Brother Mark, can you put on the PowerPoint, please? So I'm going to try and give a little report here this morning, try and draw you into it with some pictures and some things that will reflect what we did and where we went, and, and you can hopefully be a part of it as much as I can make that happen. I've entitled this, Then He Came, because Brother Ed went... We went, and that was good. But when he came, that's when it all changed. So we're over here somewhere. If we would draw a map here with, you know, those, those um, symbols of temperature, ours would be red, maybe even purple. I mean, it would be blue, maybe even purple. And, and then you get to the middle part of the world, it gets red and warm and blue, so... I think I left, and it was 
somewhere around minus 10. That later that week it got to minus 20. And I arrived and it was 29 plus and didn't go much below 21. So it was just a change. But we flew all the way from Edmonton, Toronto, all the way to Ethiopia into Uganda. Uganda being a country that's landlocked in the middle of Africa. And it's a country I've actually never visited. But I've known the brethren, some of the brethren and, and that have invited and finally felt it was time to go. Uganda is called the Pearl of Africa. They got a little bit of uh, feeling good about themselves. And, uh, but it's, got, it's a unique country. It's got some different scenery from the east to the west. It's uh, privy to Lake Victoria, which is the largest lake in central um, Africa. It's, it's very lush, got a lot of tea uh, fields that are, are full of tea leaves, also sugarcane. There's also much water. There's, it's, it's, it's very diverse country, very green, very, very pretty that way. Lots of different water f- flows and such that are there. Any rate, we, we flew into Uganda, left Edmonton. <laughs> that picture was here yesterday, don't worry. It's, thank the Lord for the sunshine today, right? Um, flew over Lake Victoria. Lake Victoria, you fly for water, water, water. The plane's getting closer to the water. You don't know where you're going to land. It looks like you're going to go right into the water and you land on a runway. Because the runway comes right off the whole lake and it's right there. And uh, that's Entebbe. Now, for, the, for those of you who remember that name, in 1976, there was a plane that was hijacked with Israelis, over 100 Israelis on it. And it was flown to Libya, and then it was flown into Uganda. And it was in the era of Idi Amin. And Entebbe is the scene where the Israeli army flew in by night into this airport, and they rescued all the hostages. I think a couple were killed, but the majority were brought home safely. And that always has stuck with me. I've I've watched, I've read the stories, I've read the books, I've, I've watched some videos, and I'm flying into this very airport. I know there's an old hangar and a new hangar, but I, I remember it so well and flying in there. So it really struck with me as I was coming in. This is the Entebbe Airport. Brother Andrew was just there in, in the early part of, or the late part of last year, early part of this year. We flew into Entebbe, which is actually just right here near Kampala. And so this is Uganda. This is Lake Victoria. Next to it, we have Congo. We have Kenya. We have Rwanda. We have Tanzania. So it's a country that's in the middle landlocked. We flew into Entebbe, which is down here. Kampala is the city. And when I flew into Entebbe, I met Brother Stephen Abali. And Brother Stephen will be here at Easter. And uh, we're looking forward to that. And Brother Stephen is a... All I can say is I'm glad to have Brother Stephen as a minister in the message, as a friend, and as a man who has given himself to the gospel. And he's very balanced, very sound, and, and, we, and we really feed off that friendship. So he picked me up in Tebi. We drove past Kampala and over to Jinja. Jinja is also on Lake Victoria, but it's a little further away. It would be, as we would have it, about an hour and a half drive in Africa. It's about three and a half hours. So that's where we started. We hit on the road and into the countryside of Uganda, arrived into Jinja, which is the main city that is there. It's a smaller city, but it's where Brother Stephen has been based many years. Years ago, Brother Harold came here when there was civil war. If you've watched the videos that 
Cloverdale has put together on Uganda. Brother Harold came there when there was civil war, when there was as yet very few believers, and yet he went across the countryside preaching to 15, to 10, to 20, at times having an AK-47 put to his, his body, Brother Stephen, checkpoints everywhere, but the gospel went out, and today it's reaping, and it's coming in, in, a, in a great way, and so we're grateful. Brother Stephen's had a church in Jinja for many years. So this would be in, into some of the countryside of Jinja. And then this was the hotel we stayed at. You always have um, netting for mosquitoes. This is a study. But that was our base for the next three days. So that's Jinja. It's right in here. From Jinja, we use that as a base for the next three days. So we went from Jinja up to a place called Kalairo. We also went to another place over here. I don't have it on this map. But Kalairo was our first stop. So... Brother Stephen said, you're going to arrive on Friday. He said, we're going to land you like the paratroopers. And I said, what does that mean? It means you're going to hit the ground running. So Saturday morning out in this place, Calairo, he had booked for us some meetings. So we left. This is one of the smaller churches, but they've had an influx of new believers coming in at that time. So uh, these are many people that are coming from denominational moves, that are coming from other places. They've heard the gospel, and they're, they're just being affected by it. I, I feel like sometimes, you know, if I can say this, every generation must have its own revival. I feel like we've, it's like when, when, when Abraham dug wells, the Philistines stopped them up, but Isaac came and dug them up again, because there was water there. And we need to, I, I feel like if nothing else, it just refreshes you to see what God can do over and over and over again. Maybe that's where the real revival is, but that should not put an impediment on what God can do here. So we drove in the countryside down the highway, past a number of small towns, into the countryside, to this little church that's here. And this was in the place called Calairo. And there's a brother there. This is about two hours away from where we were. We drove in, and uh, I'm just trying to remember his name. I didn't, my oh my, I didn't write it down here. I, I was going to say it's Brother James, but there was two or three Brother James. It was a Brother Hudson. There was different ones, but I, uh, there was different ones. I'm going to try and figure it out. But anyway, the brother that was there, and so we had two services scheduled that day. A service that starts at 11, probably finishes about 1.32-ish. They break for a bite to eat, and they all come back at 3, and we have another service right away. And there's a hunger for it. So now, with the meeting, they invited probably 30, 40 ministers from local villages that are in the countryside, and these are our brethren who are desiring to hear the Word of God. So we came into the meeting, and this was the church uh, for the morning service, and, and, and uh, a number of the believers that got together Brother Stephen Abali is here. He's well-respected. He's working a fair bit with a lot of these new churches. In fact, Brother Stephen has a, a very good man who is an associate with him, a Brother James. And Brother Stephen is taking more and more time just to go and help all these new groups, all these new believers that are there. So he's, he's, he's a blessing to them. When they were gathered together... Um, there was a visiting minister they all came to see. I, I told, told them that it wasn't me, but it was the Lord they wanted to hear. And so this, this was part of the service, part of the gathering that was there. 
Now, I, I, I took just some thoughts, and the Lord, I, I really wanted to make much of the time that I was there. I really took some thoughts that I just last ministered on, and, and it was on the King of Glory. I took it out of, out of Revelations, and I took how that, that there, there, there was a change in worship from creation to redemption. And I, I started in, in the book of Daniel. I really laid a little bit of a foundation about the kingdoms that had started in the, in the time of Daniel, uh, and it was the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, down, down right to the image, down to where we are right now, where there's a, in, in a fourth kingdom, and, there's, and then the last, there's an iron and clay that's mixed in. And I said, that was God's showing a vision to Daniel that comes right to this time. And at this time, that's when God is have a stone that has come out of the mountain that will break these kingdoms. And I really tried to establish that this is not another move, not another group, but this is God fulfilling Daniel's vision. And, and, and the kingdoms that are falling is because God is ushering in a new kingdom. And we spent some time with that, and, and it's, it's actually strange, like when I, when I began to reflect on it, that what happened in the natural God started something in the spiritual. Because Israel, Daniel was in exile, and, and God gave a promise to, that they would be 70 years, but then he would return after 70 years, and he would begin to restore Israel. And their latter glory would be greater than their former glory. So while those kingdoms were at their pinnacle and were going to go down, this kingdom was going to come, and it was going to end up with Zechariah, a headstone coming down with the words of grace, grace, grace. So we, we, we really we had a wonderful time in the morning, had a, a wonderful time of worship. We broke for lunch, and then we came back in the afternoon, and I began to take this a little bit in the direction of a kinsman and how God had a, a plan for redemption and he had in the Leviticus the, the story of a kinsman redeemer. But in order for God to make it real, God had to give an example. Not just any example, but an extreme example. And he took a woman that was outside the program of God. He took another woman that had left the land. So first of all, Ruth, but it was Naomi. And it was taking an extreme example to God to show what his nature is. And we, we labored in that. We took time with that. And, and we, we went through it. And the covenant that God made with his people, the covenant that exists today, took it even down to David and Saul. Really was taking two kingdoms quite a bit. But we're, we're even David made a covenant with Jonathan. And, and even after Saul and Jonathan passed away, David wanted to show, David being a reflection of the king of glory that we were coming in, but David showing a reflection of God that he would never leave his people. And David, after he overcame, after he ran from Saul, and David came back, he's sitting in the kingdom one day, and as he's sitting there, he's thinking about, it comes to him, is there any of the house of Jonathan that I can show kindness to? And then they said, oh, there's a servant called Meshibboth. I think his name is, I, I may not say it correctly. 
But he was there and he said, but he's a cripple. And he's a cripple. And David said, that doesn't matter. And if you actually go back, and we, took, we went back in the story. But the reason he was a cripple, he, 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 at the time that Saul and Jonathan passed away, the nurse that was holding Jonathan's son heard the news. And, it, and, and in those days, when a, when a king, kingdom would pass from one kingdom to another, there was fear for all the sons of the former king. Because they, they were, the first thing a new king would do was kill and exterminate them. So that he could ensure power. So this nurse, when she left that, that palace, she was running. And she ran, she fell. And when she fell, this boy became crippled. And she ran, so he left the palace as a cripple. He was outside of the program of God. He wasn't even in the kingdom of God. But God, wanting to show grace, wanting to show extreme grace, God began to come down through David the king. He remembered his covenant. And David, I, I said it wasn't just grace, it was extreme grace. And David, he would come down and he would call for him. And he was at this place called Lodabar, which means a low place. And he said, he's there, but he's a cripple. And David would search him out and he says, nothing doing. He's coming to eat at the king's table. And I said, what God is doing in this last day, he's calling a bride back by grace. Grace has to have its roots in sin. Grace has to have its roots in extreme situations in order to be shown as grace. And somewhere in the service, I don't know, something broke loose. But the, the brothers just began to rejoice and God just gave us a wonderful time and favor with, with the brethren that were there. Let's see if we can do this. Can you give me some Gives you a little idea of the service. Let's just take one more. Stephen Abali addressed uh, the ministers. We had, after the meetings were over, the ministers that were there were all gathered and made a few comments, and then Brother Stephen Abali addressed them. Before he comes here at Easter, he's actually taking a uh, meeting with a lot of these ministers as an instructional and as things to go. You know, we, we, we just take it for revival. We hear the story. There's a great revival coming out. There's people coming out. But in some cases... They come out with a lot of baggage. They come out and, and to show that you have to die. I actually, in the service, it was kind of funny. But I, I, I was, at one point, I was speaking of Ruth. And I said, Ruth had to make a decision. And when it was a clear-cut decision, God honored that. And then I took the type of Orpha. 
And so, and I sang how Orpha, it was emotional. You know, it was, you know, I, I want to go with you, Naomi. But there was nothing in her that drove her further. And I said, Ruth had a clear-cut decision. And so we were just laboring and the brother who was the lead pastor, he just caught it. And he's coming up after the service and he starts talking and everybody's, and, and they started laughing. And I said, what's the matter? He's telling them that, um, not, he didn't call her, he said, Oprah had to make a decision. <laughs> and they're talking, what did Oprah do? You know, he says, no, 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 Orpha, not Oprah. <laughs> anyway, it was, they all caught the point. But you know, if we can think about Abraham had to leave everything behind. Orpha, she, she couldn't do that. Ruth left everything behind. When you make that clear-cut decision, I leave it all. It's dead to me. I'm dying to it. And I just, God gave us favor. We had a wonderful time. And, and just, just so many places in the scripture. I'll tell you what, I, I, as I was coming, I knew I had to, you know, this was a, a meeting that was kind of important because it was, a lot of new people, and Brother Stephen had mentioned, so I'd started preparing some notes, and I always have a hard time preaching from old notes. So I, I just really, God just gave me a, some inspiration for those things. So we had, a, we had a really good time. We left there, and then we went to, back to Jinja for Sunday. And this is where Brother Stephen Abali has a church. He's had a church for over 30 years. He's, over time, he's added to it, built to it, and this is the church that is there. This is uh, at their church. I need to say something here. Brother Harold's preached in this church. And when you're standing up top, you're in this platform, in this balcony. It's the church back there. And it's this, this distance. Somewhere in one of the services, when Brother Harold was younger, he was preaching up here and he hopped over that. And they all were like, whoa, what did he do? And Brother Stephen said, are you going to do that? I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> I said, how old was Brother Harold when he did it? Oh, around 50. I says, hey, I'm way past that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was really good. They have a great appreciation for Brother Harold. They have a great appreciation for this church, for the believers. And I just need to say something. Those little, the believer songbooks that we have here, I don't think there's anywhere I went to that they, are, they don't love these books. They're, they're everywhere. They sing from these books. We send them out everywhere. Not everybody can read the, the three message volumes that we put together, but they are so appreciative. They've got, uh, we've been helping with, there's two major languages in Uganda, the Lugandan language, which is spoken by this church. There's another language out where Brother... Uh, James Novandabandi is in the West, but we've helped in the translation in, in both those languages. They have church age books, they have seals books, they have a lot of those things, and, and there's nothing as tremendous as hearing it in your own language. But they have a great appreciation, and they're very thankful, and so they were very, even very thankful that I could come and be a part of it and be a representative for you. So you are included. Brother Harold was included. I know he's streaming this morning. So this was the church that was there. We had two services back-to-back -back that day, too. So we started out two days, four services.
Stephen has a very mature church. You know, some of the churches we went to, you had to labor and take your time in some simple forms. Brother Stephen's church, we could get into a thought that was a little deeper right away. We went back to the book of Genesis and just took how God's desire was to, for a man and a woman to be one and how that oneness has always been what God has desired. We ministered on that level to the to church. I, I, I found, and I'm going to just be open and honest about some of the things today, just about how I felt, because sometimes you go, it's always better to have two when you go. And, and really, I did have two because I had Brother Stephen with me, but sometimes, uh, you know, you, 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 you second-guess yourself. It's nice to just have some reassurance and things, but I, I, I preached from some different notes, and I brought different things together, and I felt it didn't go as smooth as I could have, and about a third of two-thirds of the way through the service, I abandoned it and just kind of went, and it, and it finished quite well, and it kind of started to change me a little bit on how I approached all the services, and I probably used less quotes than I've ever used in my life. I've used more Bible example, and it became things that God has been depositing for years, and they just came out. I didn't even know they were there sometimes, and quotes that came this way and that way, and, 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 and it was no longer... It was no longer about what I had in front of me. It was what I had in me. And when, I, when that started to come out, God used that. So I say, never underestimate the value of feeding on the Word. You feed on it. You have witness to somebody. You don't know what will come out. God will pull it out and draw it out right at the right time. And so we, we had a good service. I, 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 Brother Stephen just said, oh, man, he was just so blessed. And I said... Brother Stephen, I feel like I struggled. He said, oh, brother, don't kick yourself. And I, I saw a thing here from one of the United States program. He says, if you kicked everybody that gave you trouble in the last month, you wouldn't sit down because you'd be kicking yourself. That's why. Yeah, that's true. We cause ourselves the biggest grief sometimes. Anyway, we had a, we had a wonderful time. I was ministering there. Actually, he had me do a baby dedication. He said, oh, just as I'm walking, I said, by the way, you're doing a baby dedication. I said, what? <laughs> and I, I remember I was there, and, and the mother came up, and actually it, was, it really touched my heart because I was never dedicated as a child. My, my, my family situation, my parents were divorced, and my mom came up one time. I wasn't even there. She stood up in proxy for me to dedicate me in the church. And this woman, she came, her, didn't have a believing husband, she just stood there, not having the whole family. And I remember she was whispering the name to me, and I couldn't hear it, I couldn't hear it. And I said, okay, God knows his name. I said, <laughs> and I just prayed, and, and I just shared what God had done for me, that I'm still here as a result of dedication and support and all of that. And so it was a blessing. But we had, we had a good service. This is right at the point I was tempted to jump over, but I didn't. And... <laughs> <laughs> Brother Stephen comes up, and you know, he always does such a good job of closing the service, just hitting the points that God was speaking. That was the service in Jinja at Brother Stephen Abali's church. We had a very good time there and, and had a good time of fellowship. The afternoon service, 
I really took a, a thought on the seed and the power of the seed within, took some examples and, and just how God's seed will always come through and, and different examples that I, we just took through the Bible. I, I'm not going to say much about that service at this time, but at the end I was, I was spent. I, was, I, I'd, I'd, I was still hadn't maybe adjusted to the time. I'd preached four services, came back to the hotel that night, and I was tired. And so that, that was the time in Jinja. So it was, it was really good. I really, really appreciate the saints there. There was about 30 of the ministers. There was about 40. But 30 that came from the day before came to this service too because they so appreciated the Word of God. And so it was, it was a real blessing for them to be there. And that was just the service at the church. The brother Stephen in his, in his study, that's his daughter and uh, son-in-law and grandson. I, I, I'm trying to think their name, Brother Harold. I wrote it down somewhere, but they said to pass on greetings to Brother Harold, and, uh, which, which we, we are doing. So this was in the evening as we were leaving the church, going back to the hotel. I'm going to stop there just for a moment. It was as good as that all was. I, I want to just now maybe just take a little course because some events happened just after this that maybe just changed a lot of things. Came back to the hotel and uh, was tired. Brother Stephen was maybe going to take me out. We'd gone out the day before, but he just dropped me off at the hotel. He was tired too. I was tired. And, and it was actually interesting because it was right at the time our Sunday service was starting here. And I said, oh, maybe I'll stream that for a little bit just to close out the day, you know, and Brother Andrew was going to start ministering. And so I thought, I'm going to just slip out and grab a bite to eat. And, uh, and so I was in the hotel, and, and Steve, Brother Stephen had put me up in a, in a hotel that was a little quieter, a little, a little simpler. It was secure. It was, he knew all the people and everything that was there. And we came into the hotel. I went back to the room. I thought, I'm just going to go order something in, and, and I'll go pick it up. I was just... I felt I just needed to get out of a study or out of something. And I walked over to pick up the meal. I, I, I left the room. I, I left, left my belongings there because I'm just going to go pick something up. And as I'm waiting there, I thought, oh, it's just nice. I'll sit down here for a minute. So it was maybe 15, 20 minutes. 15, 20 minutes was all that was needed for the enemy to do something. The, I, I had come into the room. It was secure. I'd locked it. I'd locked the window. But unbeknownst to me, there was a cleaning lady who had opened the window, working together with another employee, a window in the back in the bathroom, working together with another employee, who was the chef, who probably cooked my meal. And when he saw that I sat down, it was probably a 15, 20-minute window, security cameras caught it all. He climbed in the back window, and he stole a portion of the funds that we had. And I, I really, I began, I was, I came back to the room, and I thought, What's, this is strange. That's, and then I looked, and I realized what happened. And I, I was so, I called Brother Stephen, and he was just, he was just beside himself. He, he said, I know this hotel. I know these people. I know all this. And by the time we got to the bottom of it, it was like the, the man had left early. He was, was kind of, he actually turned out he used an alias, waiting for an opportunity. Brother Tim Dodd stayed at the same place, same hotel, same situation. I always carried everything on me. I carry a backpack. I carry it with me. But in that short time, that's when that happened. I, I, I could hardly... I could hardly sleep. I, I, I felt so, I felt like so violated. I felt like maybe I felt responsible. I felt like it, in a way, it, it, it just really grieved me. And uh, I tried to sleep. I was so tired as it was. I woke up in the middle of the night and I just started praying and calling on the Lord. And, and 
all of a sudden, scriptures started coming to me about the time we live in. And it probably changed the course of everything else that happened after that. And, you know, thoughts of restoration, God would restore, God would bring things back into, into harmony and things. So the next morning we met with hotel management. They were tracking this guy. He stole a camera. They'd recovered the camera. They had, their, they, they had tabs on him. They were watching. They could tell by his cell phone usage where he was. So they were, they were all over it. They were watching, but at the same time, I knew I had to trust the Lord. So I, you know, you're, you're leaving it there. The, the management had come out. There was a man and a woman. The woman was in tears. She was genuinely, genuinely very grieved. So that Monday was a day off. We didn't have a meeting that day. Nonetheless, we, we it, it was just a, a difficult day, if I can say that. And uh, went the next morning. We, we left that, that day. We went the next morning. We, we drove out to another place. So I want to just, I'll, I'll come back to this, but I'll, I'll share this. We left down the road, and we went to another meeting place. And this is going by sugarcane fields that are there. This is some of the traffic that you typically see going down to little places. But we went to the church of Brother Herbert McCoba. And, uh, oh, on the way we stopped by Brother Stephen's place. He lives a little way out, outside of Jinja. This is at Brother Stephen's place. This is with his grandson. This is him walking with some of his grandchildren, Brother Stephen Abali. That's his wife and some of the grandchildren, Sister Sarah. And then we left from Jinja where we were. We'd gone to Cairo. We'd gone to another place out here somewhere. And we were eventually going up to this place called Mabali. So this is all the eastern part of Uganda. And so we traveled this day out to the meetings of Brother Herbert Makoba. And... Uh, and we traveled down the countryside. There's always things to see. This is the church of Brother Herbert. It was a Tuesday. And they had back-to-back -back services that day too, in the morning and then again in the evening. But I, uh, a lot of them are rural, so the morning wasn't as many. More people came towards the, as the service went on. But uh, very much had all these things on my heart. And a subject I'd never even thought of, and this is a place called Serenko. Serenko. Is, is where he is. It's almost on the border of Kenya. But I just began to speak on the season of restoration. I thought of how the Israeli army, under the restoration of their land, how they came into Entebbe. I just took through the Bible. I began to speak on, on, on that thought, and I began to take it through, through the Bible. So I, I took the services then, and, and again, these were all fresh. I just took some very general notes that I just spoke very briefly, it wasn't a service that I had taken, but I took on, on the power of restoration, how God, inherent with His Word, what He would speak was a word. It had a prophecy. It had a fulfillment. It had a manifestation. And it would come to pass. So I took some of these out of Joel chapter 2 and 3, and how God expects His Word to come back, and He has an image. And much like the masterpiece image He had, that was reflected, and I began to just speak on that level, but I'll tell you, because these things were so in my heart about personally, I, I can't even begin to tell you how it reflected in the services. Brother, Brother Stephen says, you didn't even preach from your notes. I said, no, I preached from my heart. And we just spoke. We had a, he says, there's so much more you could do. I said, I'm not finished yet. So we spoke in the morning, and we took, you know, just different thoughts went that way. We broke for lunch. 
Uh, let me just play a little bit. This was the morning. That was in the morning service. We broke for lunch. We came back in the afternoon, and we just picked right up. And I took a lot of this out of the administration of Elijah, how under Elijah there was an Elisha, how there was all... Elijah was a prophet who was very much on a national level. He would come into Ahab. He would come into the prophets. He would come in, and he would speak on a national level. But I says, out of Elijah there came Elisha. And Elisha came down to where we live. And he began to speak to the worker that had lost their axe. And he began to speak to the, to the ministers that had, had, that had the meal and it was contaminated. And he began to speak a word of restoration. And as we could speak, you could just see the people. Because there were situations in the church where they needed God to come on the scene. And as I'm ministering in it, and a lot of this is coming out of the inside of me. And you could just see the people just start to... Pull and, and literally, God came into that service. God came in such a way, you know, and, and I would just say, let's just finish this. Near the end. Amen. It was just wonderful. And... I, I, was, I was drenched. I was exhausted. I was outside with Brother Herbert after the service. These are the, some of the people. I, I think everybody in that church wanted to come and shake hands with me. The glow that was on some of these sisters' faces was amazing to me. If, if just to see that was worth it all. But God so came down and met their needs out of my infirmary. God spoke to them in such a way. Brother Herbert and his wife, we just had a wonderful time together. That was, that's up in Soronko is where he is, up near here. We had traveled at this time over to Mbali. That became sort of the central place. So Mbali is where we had stayed for three days. And we went out to a few different places from there. This was a little nicer hotel, a little more secure. Um, it was, it was, this is where the president stays. And he says, and he says, uh, Actually, I, I should share this. I, I was with Brother Busabosi, and I was going to the airport when I was leaving. And he goes, this is a VIP line. And he take, drives right up, and, he's, and the guard says, who do you got? I said, I got a VIP. What is he? He's a minister of our country? He's white. He's not a minister of our country. <laughs> he, says, he says, but he's a minister. He says, oh, like a dignity? Yeah, yeah. Brother Busabosi, if you know him, just like got that lion anointing on him. And so he, he goes, let me see your passport. He goes, and he goes, and he goes, you're just an average Joe. You're nothing. He says, no, I'm a minister. Okay, okay, go, 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 go. And, and so, but it was, so anyway, and Brother Stephen put me in this hotel. He says, this is the president stays. You're higher than the president. You stay here, he says. Anyway, it was, it was actually quite average. You know, it was, it was a really reasonable price we got. So, any rate, it was, uh, from there we went out now to another group. And this was, uh, I, I didn't, Nabali, Nab, Nabumali, and it was Brother James Mzaka, and he's a brother who's been faithful to the message since 1974. 
he is just a, a simple brother, a pastor. He, 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 he just was, you know, I walked into his house. This is always amazing to me when this happens. He wanted to have some fellowship. He wanted to have some time together. I walk in the house, and then in the background, he's got the music on. And who's singing? The believers. And that was the whole time I was there, the believers were singing. It's always, it feels like home, actually, when you go somewhere and you hear the believers singing. So we, we had, this was like right in, you know, back, back villages, and, and it was, this is the church we were at. This was a very good church to preach to. That you could be right on something, and, and, and they, were, they were right with you. And we had, a, we had a good time of fellowship in the afternoon, but we, took on, we spoke on the unfolding of the Word. We talked about the time uh, in Ephesians chapter 1, coming to the fullness of times, how God had dispensations, and how He left something in every age. He left something in Enoch's age. He left something in the next age. And He left something unfulfilled. And He left it till this time. And I, and I kind of drifted into the thought of where we are in the vision. Because God had a vision from before the foundation of the world and, and just began to minister on that level. And, and then I just took how Brother Branham talked about how he had the preview of the bride and where the vision of the bride was and how another church came into view and, and another one. And leading up to that, I actually took some time where Brother Branham had the vision of the caribou and he had the vision of the bear, and how the events unfolded, and how they had to stay with the vision. I took how Brother Biscal had a part in it, where there was a man with a green checkered shirt. He didn't even know where he was. He was in the vision already, but he didn't know he was in the vision. Yeah. He didn't know he was in the vision until he got to his suitcase and opened up his suitcase, and there's the green checkered shirt. And it only happened because he'd fallen in the water that day. And I said, so he's, he's kind of thinking, this is strange. There's something about this. And then as he's there, and at the time, Brother Branham comes down and measuring his 42 inches, and then he's coming right to the place. He comes to the realization, I'm in the vision. And I just took it to where we are. Friends, we're in the vision. Things are unfolding in the world. Germs that are breaking out. Churches are falling apart. Different things that are happening. But we're in the vision. And I, I tell you what, the, the place just about busts loose that... I, I, we had such a good time. And uh, this is Brother James. He was the pastor. This is the beginning of the service. They're just, just a wonderful group of people. They were... Uh, I, 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 I took even the spies coming into the land and what vision they were looking at. When In the Exodus, there was two spies that were watching the vision of the Word. But there was two spies that were... Ten spies that were looking at the circumstances. And... Uh, so we had, a, we had a wonderful time. This is the beginning of the service. after the service.
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip a couple here, and I'm going to leave some of this for tonight. I'm going to come. I'm going to jump ahead. That was on a Wednesday night. So I'm going to... Oh, my. <laughs> I need to include some of this. Where are we at? I, I want to save some for tonight. Let me, let me jump ahead. Brother Mark, go to about uh, number 134, if you don't mind, please. So we still had Thursday, Friday, and we had some meetings that were to some of the groups that have come out. And, uh, but on, this is Brother Robert, where Brother Andrew had, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick that up, but I'm going to just come, we came back to Kampala on Friday night, I'm going to just go ahead, this is in Kampala, so uh, this was the Saturday service. Now Brother Fred, I, I'm, I'm skipping a couple days, but I'm going to pick it up tonight. Uh, Brother Fred Chidinji came here, and he, he, how many remember Brother Fred? He's a brother who is very different than Brother Stephen. He's a brother who uh, is just bold. He goes out there. The whole revival essentially started, Brother Fred is a man who's not well. He has diabetes. He, his, his wife has to watch him very carefully. He has to have food. He has to have things at the appropriate time. And, and he is the voice of Brother Branham on the tapes, on the translation tapes. So they've been broadcasting this on the radio. A lot of the population cannot hear, cannot read, cannot hear, understand English, but they can understand this. And so it's been broadcast for years and years and years. So the seeds have been falling. And Brother Fred, one time he just comes back, he says, we need to go out and see, we need to go to some of these groups and because the message had been preached, so just a little thought. And he went out to some denominational churches, and he began to just introduce the message. Well, the seed had already been sown. And they were, they were ready because there's some things, and I'll go into tonight, in the churches there. Let me, let me just drop this in. The way the whole system works, the, there's a big move out of the Baptist, out of the Pentecostal. But they don't have a system of tithing. You want to go see a minister and you need prayer, you pay him first. You want, to have, you want to have counseling, you pay the minister, then you can have counseling. There was a sister in a village who had lost a baby. And a witch doctor told her, you'll never have a baby. A baby had been born, lived for a couple of days, and it died. She did, it happened again, it happened a third time. This last time she was so desperate and a baby was born and she wanted to get a minister to pray to break the curse of that witch doctor. But she didn't have the money. Brother Fred was coming by and he says, and he heard about it and he says, I'll pray for him for free. And he prayed for it and the baby was still living. Actually was in the meeting, two years old, but that did so much for the people. They could see the gospel is without price, without many. It's not a denominational system. It's a living, breathing word. So Brother Fred, he, he just went out. And as a burden, they started praying. Young men in his church started praying for God to move on the hearts. The seeds had been sown. They started to go out. And as they went out, people started coming in. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to know what was going on. So, this is uh, Brother Fred's son, uh, Joseph. That's his wife. They're picking me up. 
They're at the hotel. We're going to the meeting on Saturday. The meeting on Saturday is just outside the Kampala. They've invited now probably to a church that has 200. They've probably invited about another 150, 200 people. So they've, they've erected a, a bunch of structures. I've got I to show you this. They've erected a, a bunch of structures outside, but they're going to have an overflow, this big meeting. They had a visitor coming in. Okay, this is driving on Kampala. I've never seen so many motorcycles in my life. The fact that they can stay on the road and miss each other is amazing to me. Just wait till we come to this intersection here. I'm like this. <laughs> anyway, we started to head out to the church. It's a little ways out. It's called Sita Eagles Church. Since the beginning of this revival, there's no eagles that are typically found in that area. But two eagles have come and rested in the branches above the church almost on a weekly basis. And, and that's since the revival started, he said. It, it it's almost can't be explained. This is what they had set up. There's the main church building. This is the canopies and structures. They had set up that I would speak outside and that they would have some people in the church, some outside. But as we're coming up, the skies are darkening. And it starts pouring. <laughs> and everybody starts scrambling. And, and I'll tell you what, it was just pouring. And, and we're sitting there, and I'm sitting in the car, and I'm just going, Lord, now this. I didn't tell you this. It's, it's like God had stripped me of everything that I had. First there was this, something was stolen. Then I, in, in my angst leaving one of the hotels, I left behind my malaria pills. I didn't have that. I felt like, and then the devil's bombarding me. You're going to get malaria. You're going to get it. No, I'm not going to get malaria. And it was like everything was being stripped. It was like I was coming down to nothing, and it was taking me back to the scriptures I read from the beginning. By my wisdom, by my strength, I'll make everything work for good. I'll change everything. I'll take care of these things. It was not, I didn't even have my notes. I was preaching on little scribbles of paper sometimes as God was inspiring me. But it was the Lord who was leading us. So here we are, this is all going on, and Brother Fred's discouraged. He'd had a rough night, he wasn't healthy and that night, and, and, and here's the people scrambling, and all of this is going crazy. And then the sun came out briefly, and uh, here's the people all outside the church. There's a whole bunch in the church. And now Brother Fred starts giving a testimony. There's Brother Fred here. He brings this man up. This man was a witch doctor. He's a witch doctor who taught other witch doctors. He routinely had success, even in churches. And he came to some meetings that Brother Tim Dodd was at. Maybe it was a year ago or two years ago. And he started to cast his spells or things, but it wasn't working. And in fact, for the first time in his life, he felt fear. And he didn't know why, and he humbled himself. He surrendered to God, and he gave his heart to God. In the meantime, he had his, his daughter became possessed of similar spirits, and, and he had to fight and battle through all of that. But here he is, he's giving testimony, and then he brings his daughter up, who's completely delivered, and they're saying, and this was a time when Brother Tim was there. 
And it's saying, and this man who's coming is a friend of Brother Tim. So, like, no pressure, right? And so, I, and they're saying all of this. Well, as they're testifying, you know, and the people, they're starting to rejoice. They're starting to ha- think this is wonderful. Then these two women came up. These were women pastors in denominational circles. They renounced their pastorship to receive the message. They renounced everything that they were to take Christ. And they're giving testimony. Well, right about now, the sun had come out, but all of a sudden now the storm comes again. And we're just like, okay, this is, this is terrible. Like the people are there. They're starting to rejoice, but we have no place to go. This is inside the church, typically. And the church would hold so many... They decided to move, like there's sound equipment falling in the rain. The microphone system, it was just a disaster. And then, and then I'm coming, and this was the platform before. They moved everybody into the church they could, a few under the overhangs. And they said, well, you're going to preach in the church. And I mean, talk about it. It was hot. It was stuffy. And I had, there was people sitting beside me here, people sitting beside me here. I had this much room to work with. They were all around me. So this was, let me just show you a couple of videos. This was, oops. Here. This is as the rain broke. So they moved everybody inside that they could. I'm sitting in the back office, and I'm going, I was going to preach on the three exoduses. I was going to labor it a little bit from the Scripture and take it that way. And I'm sitting here, and I'm going, I'm watching Brother Fred, who's discouraged. I'm watching his deacons. I'm watching everybody. They're scrambling. Everything is disruptive. And then I thought of Brother Branham. I thought of the time at Karlsruhe, Germany, when the devil came with a storm. I said, I'm not Brother Branham. But then a thought came to me. But God is here. And then I, these words started to come, then he came. And I just, I'm, I've got to go out like in two minutes. Then he came. And I go to Revelations 5, and it talks about John weeping. And he says, and he's weeping because all of creation's lost. Everything's done. And then as he's weeping, and it says, a voice, an angel proclaimed, the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. And then John looked and he saw a bloody lamb. And then in the middle of it, there's these words. Then he came and took the book. Something struck me from that moment. I went, I went up there and I just started. I got up. This is what I walked into just after that. This is in the church. So they wouldn't be denied, and I wasn't going to be denied. I'd been through enough on this trip that this was it. And so I, I immediately went and 
God will raise a standard. When the enemy comes in like a flood, and actually those scriptures in chapter 10 about God's in control of the lightning, God's in, in Jeremiah, they all started coming to me. And I thought, God, you're here. You're the same today. And I just started preaching right from Revelations 5. Started, and then he came. Then I went to Revelations 10. There was a, a star that fell in Revelations 9. It was cast down. But this angel, he came. And when he came, everything was different. Went way back into the Exodus. Went back to Exodus chapter 3. When God said, I am come down. And when God came down and how he destroyed Pharaoh. I, I don't even know what happened. But the, the service, they told me, went three and a half hours. I, I looked up one time and one of the interpreters was gone. And there was a new one there. There were three interpreters by the time it was said and done. And I, I, was, I just couldn't stop. Because I'll tell you what, God came in such a way, destroyed the works of the enemy. Brother Fred came up. I, I was finished. I, I, there was times I could feel like I was, the sweat was running off of me. Brother Fred comes up after, and he couldn't stop. We have been for so long in the denomination of salt water. But now we remember where we came from. We are not in Tilapia. We are not in Nairo We are not in Pogodamas. We are Salomon. We are Salomon. And we are Salomon. The scent. Oh, the scent. Oh, that fresh life. If you will find the way back, we are moving back. Step by step. From justification to sanctification. From sanctification to the Holy Ghost. Any place. In the blue, 
So somewhere in there, Brother Fred's picking up a story I shared, and, and I've, I'm just about done, so we'll just, just we'll finish with this. But I, it, it came to me about the seed that God placed within. There had to be something respond, and I took the story of the Pacific salmon, and how that salmon goes out into the ocean for three years, but at a certain time, at a certain season, something clicks. And it has a desire to go back home. And as it goes back home, it's going through the ocean. And it's looking for a drop of fresh water of the stream that it was born in. And I'm sharing this story and I'm talking about how it comes and that didn't smell right. And that didn't smell right. And that wasn't right. But then all of a sudden there was fresh water from the stream I was born in. And how that salmon would fight and it would go. And it would not be satisfied until it got back to where it came from. I jumped into the story of the eagle. I jumped into other things. There's more I could share. But as I'm talking and then Brother Fred's coming up at the end. And he... He's saying, this brother comes from Brother Hildebrand's church. And immediately, I didn't realize that I was talking about the token. And these brothers, they had technical things. They had the token up. They had, they had anything I started talking about, they had it up there. Like, I mean, they were just on top of it. So I was talking about Brother Hildebrand. They talked, this brother comes from Brother Hildebrand. And, and they go, yeah. And so this is just after he says, we're going to fly away. So you know what the next song is? <laughs> oh, sorry, I got to back up. Can you play this one, Brother Mark? I can't play that. Brother Harold, they were playing that for you. Let's have the musicians come.
Let's stand together. What I didn't tell you was a week before in the service, brother, can you put the PowerPoint on just real quick? A week before, it was a week and a half maybe before, brother Fred was preaching on a, let me just go jump ahead. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't bring it. Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll put it on tonight. You can turn it off. Thank you. So a week before, Brother Fred's preaching on a Wednesday night, and a dove comes into the sanctuary. And it's at the back, and it flies right to the pulpit. And it stays right in front of the pulpit. And Brother Fred's looking at it, and he puts his hand, and it jumps on his hand. And he's holding the dove on his hand. And, and so they, they started singing, I'll fly away. And when, when I started ministering on those lines about how that, and I took about the eagle in the chicken yard and, and how he heard a voice and he flew and it, it sort of sparked the whole thing even more so. But God was very merciful. God, that, was, that really became what it was. Because God, God is going to be God. No matter what the circumstance in our lives, He's going to show Himself God. Thank you for bearing with me this morning. I'll bring more tonight. I want to bring a little thought too, but I think there's a song we need to sing. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to say something here. You, you just had a good example of some actions with it there. <laughs> if you feel the least little bit of liberty, you feel free. Let's sing that, okay? Some glad morning when this life is over Will 